You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. We are your splendid hosts, and this is episode My Sweet 16. I was 16 and pregnant once. <laughs> Not really. I just <laughs> I was like, wow, everyone's learning something about Katie today, because I didn't no, know that. I was just I just had braces when I was pregnant with my youngest, and I looked 16 and pregnant, so carry hmm. on. Anywho, Anywho, this week we are discussing The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. But before we jump into that, Katie, what have you been reading? Yeah, so I just finished The Perfect Marriage on audiobook, and that was really good. It was a thriller. It was uh, twisting, turning. Yes, thrilling. Michael Jackson thriller. 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 Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) definitely check that out if you're looking for a book that uh, has a good twist at the end because I kind of figured it out like right at the last second, but not the entire story. So it's good. Um, Normally, I turn the tables on you and ask you what you've been reading, but tonight you were actually hanging out with some other people before me which is basically cheating, whatever. <laughs> so tell me about that. I was. I was with some other people before you, and that was uh, these two people by the name of Alice Hoffman and Chris Bojillian. Uh, Alice Hoffman is the author of Practical Magic, and then some. She's written lots of books, actually. And uh, then Chris Bojillian... He has written lots of books, and he is also very popular. I've not heard of him. He's written, like, The Flight Attendant, which is currently... Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's been turned to a show with... Yeah, Kelly Kuoko. Yes, it has. Yeah. So that's based off his book. Oh, okay. So, strangely, I have read one book by each of them. Very low-key books that neither of them are known for, and we're not even brought up tonight. <laughs> And that was the Museum of Extraordinary Things for Alice Hoffman, which was kind of like the uh, curiosities like themed and just kind of an unsettling theme. That was really good. Um, And then The Guest Room is what I read by Chris Bojelian. Is that a recent one? Um, Let me look. Because that sounds familiar. It came out in 2016. Okay, no, I was thinking more recent. So, There's a lot of books recently with the guest in the title. There's like the dinner guest, the guest list. Yeah, that There's one. There's like a lot of those. No, this one's old. So, of course, I read it seven years ago. <laughs> of course. But it was really good, honestly. Um, and surprisingly, one of his biggest ones came out even before that that I didn't read. And I know you'll be shocked because it's called The Midwives. <laughs> 
very shocked. So the reason they were talking together is they both have just these witch-themed books coming out. That's, okay. you know, on the surface is witch-themed, but really it's about women who are judged and outcast in, in the same time frame. They're both 17th century books. Interesting that there's a male perspective writing that. And Alice Hoffman uh, definitely appreciated a lot of his writing of how well he was doing of writing female characters that's awesome because you don't really hear that very often especially from other females you don't yeah so and it's it's funny it was cute it went both ways um chris bojalian actually shared a story of how one time there was a headline on a book magazine that was like chris bojalian loves alice hoffman And his, I believe at the time, eight-year-old daughter found it. Oh, no. And was like, what? This is fake news. He loves my mommy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He like shared that story. It was so cute. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So he's a fan of her work, too. So it was was nice to see him talk about it. That's awesome. That's the one good thing about the pandemic is that, you know, maybe Zoom is bringing a lot of different authors and like talks like that the ability for people to see that wouldn't necessarily be able to see in your local bookstore or even have the capacity capacity to see um because you know local bookstore fit maybe a couple hundred people you think and you know libraries yeah i've i had never i've never been to an author reading or event i have i have but it's been a long time i bet um at the tattered cover oh yeah i'm gonna read some more books by both alice hoffman and chris bojalian Mm -hmm. and that's a fact i think you should read look up chris bojalian i think you would like some of his i will i will look up his stuff um and so when we get to that we're gonna post reviews about it and anything you read in the meantime we're also gonna post reviews about those where are we gonna post those at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kimmy's Lost Chill. And on? if it's on Instagram. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not on Twitter because... Well, we have a Twitter handle, but... Not individually, and it's just no. weird. Twitter's weird. Twitter, I don't know. We're it's not exhausting. Has out. anyone ever tried to have all the social media accounts everywhere and keep up with them all? It's like Social media is exhausting. They try to like make them all talk to each other, but it doesn't work as well as one might think, and it's just exhausting. Yeah. And then having to keep up with all the responses on all of them. Yeah. So we don't tweet, guys. We're we sorry. We sparingly post on Facebook and try and post every day on Instagram. So catch us there. Katie has big dreams of TikToking. I posted one TikTok. I love TikTok. Real quick before we get started, we do want to mention some trigger warnings of racism and trans- transgender issues in this book. So just be advised. And of course, there will be spoilers because we don't know how to keep our trap shut when we got some juicy tidbits to share. So we can't help ourselves, but our witty banter is not to be missed. So you want to stick around. Facts. And let's cue those party noises. (laughs) So this is Britt Bennett's second book. Her first book was published in 2016, which you may have heard of it. It's called The Mothers. That book was also a bestseller as well. The Vanishing Half was released in June 2020, and that same month it had already reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It was also selected as a New York Times 
10 best books of 2020, which was quite the honor. And Bennett has a lot of writing ahead of her, hopefully, because she's a youngin and she's only 31 years old. Wow, what a baby. That's so youthful. Exactly. I know. I saw that she was born in 1990 and I was like, oh, but 1990 when? I could not find her actual date what? of birth. I did look for oh. you. I did look for you because I was like, I hope she was born on Kimberly's actual date of birth. Man, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I wish I'm sorry. I, could know. I did it's look all right. for you. It's all right. I did. So in last week's episode, we talked about Kimmy's love of reading the acknowledgments. Well, as luck would have it, Britt Bennett actually lovingly tweeted a couple of days ago, <laughs> I forgot this quote unquote, I forgot that people actually read the acknowledgement section until my best friend's second grade teacher messaged me because she saw her name. That did get me in my feels. The screen rights to The Vanishing Half had been have been optioned by HBO, who outbid 17 other TV companies in a seven figure deal which is absolutely ridiculous. So we are going to get more of these characters, hopefully. And it's funny because I don't know about you, but throughout a lot of this book, I was thinking what a good show or movie this story would make. I like when books are shows instead of movies because of the length of time they can really give it Yeah, what it needs. Except for Harry Potter. Harry that Potter would have been was... a really great lifetime show. It would have lifetime. Like put Grey's Anatomy to shame and just keep going forever. They wouldn't have aged, right? It would have been Ever. fine. Um, so the, the best part that I found out about this book in my research about Britt Bennett was this story was inspired by her mother's stories of living in Louisiana. Uh there was an interview that she did with the guardian that I found where she said that her mom knew of a town in Louisiana where their sole purpose was to procreate interracially in order to create children that were lighter and lighter with each generation. So crazy. I'm sure that those things actually existed. Britt Bennett is an incredibly talented writer and I can't wait to read more of her stuff. Um, I'm going to pick up the mothers pretty shortly after this i want to i'm drowning in my tbr i should probably stop maxing out all my library cards but (laughs) i figure that's better than maxing out credit cards so i'm okay with it yeah but also i'm drowning i know help help me help so the vanishing half is a story that layers multiple decades and women navigating through a world that does not truly accept people of color Stella and Desiree are twins who are biracial but very light-skinned because they live in a town, as we kind of foreshadowed above, that they had specifically tried to breed interracially to make themselves lighter and lighter and make their kids lighter. Um, Their town was so small that it wasn't even worth a spot on a map in Louisiana. When they were 16, they couldn't wait to get out of there and they just had to leave so they headed for new orleans stella at that point after a year or so i don't know yeah i don't remember after some time she just separated herself from desiree completely to never contact her again and actually began to live her life as a white woman 
While Desiree ended up back in their hometown of Mallard after leaving an abusive husband, arriving on her mother's doorstep. And so the other thing that was kind of the twist is that Stella had pretended she was white, while Desiree, they said, married the darkest man she could find. And it wasn't a thing, like, it felt like that's all she completely went for. Like, it felt like she had genuine feelings for him at first. But he started beating her. And, you know, obviously she couldn't stay, so she took her daughter and left. And she had a pretty good life at that point, too. She was working for the FBI, doing fingerprint analysis which was awesome right especially you know for a woman let alone a black woman or a color a a biracial woman to be working in that sort of field um i don't remember if she had said that she had told them that she was black or if she had lied that she was white do you remember i don't think she did it as Obviously, as Stella did. Oh, okay. I think they knew, though. And I think, if anything, they would have known her husband was, too. She, oh, like, definitely true. didn't try to hide it. Yeah. Like, Stella was like, Mm-mm, never going to mention this. I'm going to just pretend as long as I can pretend and yeah. hope no one ever notices. Yeah. We then see Desiree's daughter, Jude, as an adult who finds herself going through life with her transgender boyfriend, Reese. By chance, she runs into Stella's adult daughter, Kennedy, who has no clue that her mother has a sister and that her mother is biracial. Jude eventually ends up blurting out that their mothers are sisters. The twins reunite briefly, and the whole time, you are clinging to this hope that they will come to their senses and make things right in their family, but it doesn't quite pan out that way. This book was just beautifully woven web of difficult family stories. You're right. It's definitely equal parts beautiful and difficult. Even after their reunion as adults, hell, even after their mother passes away, they never get the happily ever after that they not only deserve, but desperately crave. So I know we talk about our purple elephants a lot. And I know you know I love the circus. Mm -hmm. So did you ever hear about the circus who had the Spanish magician? I did not. So suddenly he's going to, you know, put on his act. He's very famous for how elusive he can be. And so he's standing there. And he goes, now I will do the biggest feat of magic ever. And he will never see me again. And he goes, uno, dos. Poof. He disappeared without a trace. <laughs> We go into these jokes blind every week. <laughs> A little behind the scenes is... <laughs> we want the reaction we to be the real. real reaction. And that was amazing. <laughs> that made my night so much better. And I was having a shitty day. Oh, that's what I live for. I know, that was such a good one. I had to go with vanishing. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here every week, once a week. Once a week, once a week at least, yeah. Let's get some more wine. Okay. All right.
Without a doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in. What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of The Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you? There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! These two women chose such different lives. Stella choosing to live her life as a white woman and Desiree choosing to live hers as a black woman. A quote from the book, Stella became white and Desiree married the darkest man she could find. This is interesting because two identical girls who had the same upbringing chose completely different lives. At the end of the book, Jude and Desiree are reflecting on the death of Desiree and Stella's mother. Desiree is in her feels about thinking maybe she made the wrong choice in staying in Mallard and choosing her life path. Jude tells her that she wouldn't change it and she's glad that she ended up with Desiree. Do you think that there's a reason why Desiree did not follow in Stella's footsteps? footsteps one thing that we haven't mentioned thus far is that these two twin girls when they were just children i believe eight years old they witnessed their father's death that sounds simple enough right but the real heaviness of it is that they were highly aware that they lived in a town where it seemed every inhabitant was trying to erase the blackness out of them, so to speak, by marrying people lighter and lighter. So by the time these twins were born, it had already been a few generations. And so their father, while biracial, was light-skinned. And so it affected them a lot because they didn't just see their father die. They saw him killed by an act of racism. It was basically white men who came and attempted to murder him and he somehow survived. And then they went into a hospital where he was trying to heal from these wounds and they ensured that he did not survive and killed him there. Desiree had said his light skin didn't save him, so what did I care about it? I think for her, it stirred up a rebellion of, this is never going to be enough, so why would I chase it and cling to that? When as soon as anyone finds that out, that I am biracial, I'll be treated just as badly potentially murdered over this. Yeah. And Stella seems to take it the other way of 
he appeared very light skinned, but because people knew he was black, it wasn't enough to save him. So she seemed to do everything in her power to hide that side of her. And so I think it was basically that one single event that they reacted to very differently. Like one saw that you can't be white enough to be okay. And the other saw that, you know, if you have any black in you, you can't be saved enough to be okay. Yeah. And that's interesting because um, I think that's a, a great interpretation of what happened in the book because a new neighbor moving into the neighborhood who is black and how they're all against it. And Stella, who doesn't really, isn't really vocal with her neighbors to begin with, is all of a sudden adamant that this black family not move into the neighborhood. She just doesn't want to be found out. She thinks that she's going to be found out some way, somehow, because this black family is going to be able to see some sort of feature in her uh, mannerism or something they're going to be able to find out. And she is just so petrified of being found and being seen of having any sort of black in her at all. And so she is the complete opposite of Desiree in that regard, where I think I agree with you with what you said. And Stella was just petrified, I think, of the same thing happening to her for having any sort of ties to any sort of black family members or being black herself, unfortunately. And it was interesting to see how these lies and these choices affected their daughters. We had Jude, who was very studious, who didn't want to be exposed, who didn't want the limelight, who just wanted to work hard and get things done. And then we had Kennedy, who loved the attention, who learned to lie all the time and did all these things. Did you ever get the feeling that the twins' daughters had any attributes of the other twin? Or did you think they were most like their own mothers? I think that they could have definitely had some attributes of the other twin, definitely, which is kind of weird. And I think that Stella, I might have it backwards, but I think that Stella even mentioned that in the book that Kennedy reminded her at times of her sister. Yeah. And in either mannerisms or something that they she did. They might have both thought that. Yeah. Honestly. I think now that you say that, maybe they did both think that because I can't really pinpoint. The thing I loved about this book is the characters were all so well-developed. They were. And so I think for me personally that the daughters, they were very, very much their own person. But I think they did have attributes of both twins. And I think that was kind of the hard things for the twins to see. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, she, this person that you're missing, who's literally vanished from you and is quite literally your other half. Yeah. And that is like your biggest pain in life, mm-hmm. if you're Desiree, to see, to see those parts that you had thought you've lost Maybe it was seeing that trauma of their dad dying in front of them 
at such a young age that split them apart already and they didn't even realize it at that age, at eight. And then they didn't physically split until years later. But I think that both of them longed, obviously Desiree longed to make that connection again with Stella, but I think that Stella also longed to make that connection but felt that she couldn't go back for the longest time. And I think that 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 is maybe why she wanted to see traits of Desiree in Kennedy. As we've already talked about a couple purple elephants, I found another one. Parental expectations that keep showing up in a lot of the books that we discuss on our show. Stella is talking to her faculty mentor advisor, Peg, and Stella is complaining about the way Kennedy threw away her chances to go to college because she dropped out of college to become an actor. And Peg says one of the most profound things that I think I've ever heard of as a parent, at least. Quote, well, she isn't you. It's unfair for you to expect her to be. So with Jude and Kennedy being so completely different, growing up with different cultural and social classes, how important do you think this was on the people that they ended up becoming in the different ways that they grew up? People in general always say, you know, I want my kids to have a better life than me. And hardly... Does anyone ever mean this in general? They basically mean that I want them to have what I wanted, which doesn't necessarily mean I want them to have what they want. I just think it's hard. I have my son who intellectually is completely opposite from me in that I am the literary reading and writing and all of that stuff. So my son... He is about the math. And at first, I was very grateful because I can't help him with his math homework ever. But it's very frustrating when I try to help him with like the writing and it's just not clicking the same way that it did when it was always so natural for me. You know, is it harder when you can fill in the blanks of what's missing? Or is it harder if you have the same skills, but then you can't help with what's lacking? But it's it's hard to separate yourself like that. Absolutely. Like, I'm like, I wanted to do all this and write these books and do these things in school. And, you know, he's doing all this. He of... does like to read, though. Yeah, that was hard to make that happen. He, he's an That was a lot reader. of effort. He's yeah. an avid... I don't think he would do it anymore if I didn't make him. Yeah, it falls off. I know that. It didn't fall off for me, not in middle school. No, me either. Like, I, high school, it fell off for me. Yeah. Because a lot more freedom happens. You know, I, I found it most interesting in the book, though, that you have Kennedy, who comes from a rich, well-to-do, pretty socially powerful family, who just throws away her college opportunity to go do whatever she wants to do, go frolic, is pretty unhappy though still. Can't really find herself. She just frolics off to Italy to go in search of herself. Still can't find herself, so to speak. And then you have Jude, who is in a stable, 
committed relationship with Reese for the entire time that we see her. And she gets into medical school where Stella, her, she was pushing Kennedy to go to college. Whereas Desiree was kind of like, do what makes you happy. And she was actually really sad when she moved away to go to school, but she understood as well. And I found that interesting that those two, and it seemed that Jude was happier with her self-worth than Kennedy. So to me, when you put it that way, it seems less like expectations and more like the honesty with which, with which they were raised in that like, yes, Desiree wanted you to be happy and to pursue what she wanted on the surface. And Stella wanted Kennedy to be privileged and go to school and do the right thing so she could continue this life she had built for her. Those are the expectations, quote unquote. But the other way to look at it then is that Kennedy spent her whole life being lied to. And she knew from a very young age that her mom was lying to her. So she couldn't trust anything. Why should she trust her that college and education is the best way? Why should she find who she is when, you know, the person who should give her grounding into the world and give her roots, so to speak, she can't trust. If you can't trust your roots, how do you find out who you are? Yeah. Jude knew about her mom's missing twin. Jude knew her grandma. Jude Jude knew where she came from. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it was that helped her to be able to have those wings to figure it out. You know, she, she knew where she was coming from. She had some issues with her abusive father and, you know, wondering if he loved her and how he felt about her and how her parents' relationships affected her to a degree. But she was able to even ask those questions to her mom. And her mom was pretty open with her. The only thing that she was not open with her or honest with her about was she kept saying that they were going to leave Mallard and they weren't. She knew damn well (laughs) that they were stuck there for at least a while. So just kind of a question that just came to me while we were talking. We talk about how Stella lied to her husband, to her daughter, everybody in her life. She was petrified of being found out this secret about her past life. Do you think that this storyline was plausible? That not the the fact that she was black. We've obviously been told by the description of what she looked like that this could physically, she could physically pass for a white person. But to be able to keep those secrets from your family and not be caught for however many years it was, do you think that that's possible?
without getting yeah you only ever know trapped. as much as people i mean without being trapped is a different story like she was yeah you only people ever only know as much as you tell them and if you have no evidence to the contrary physical or otherwise why wouldn't it hold up forever slip-ups by what like she thought someone she thought the slip-up would be that someone would call her out yeah but i mean that you refer to somebody in the incorrect tense because she's referring to her family as if they were dead to her husband and her daughter so you're not talking about race you're just talking about the whole pretense of yes that, saying your family's dead yes i'm sorry I, I wasn't clear on that yes the whole not the whole race part okay. but the whole keeping the secret that your family is gone because i feel like that would be hard to do i think that would honestly be harder to do than keep the her race a secret because obviously she could physically pass as a white person. I think it's doable, but it's also what you tell yourself. I think her issue and why she was worried about slip up so much is because she was not okay. And she didn't want to let them go. And to her, it was like a choice. It was, do you pick your family uh, that you grew up with in that reality? Or do you pick this one you built on a lie? And so basically the one you built on a lie versus the one you were born and they can't com- they can't exist together in her mind. And she didn't want to let go. She missed her family. So the slip up I feel like was always possible because of how much she thought about them and missed them. Yeah. If she was like truly angry and was like I never want to see them again. I don't really care who knows like they are truly dead to me. With that, like, anger side, I don't know. It feels more plausible to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Because it, it almost seemed like she felt guilty that there was a lot of guilt for yeah. doing this. And she had nobody to talk to about it. It was constantly weighing on her. And I feel like it was getting or it had the potential to get very difficult to keep going. So we went full circle in this story, starting with the twins, then meeting their children, and then back to the twins. Who do you truly think is the main character or characters in this book? It could definitely be a story of four. Yeah. It could be them and their daughters. With I'd the... say Barry. Oh. He stole the show for me. <laughs> I want more Barry. That doesn't surprise me in the least. He was insightful AF and was always there when there was an issue with Jude and Reese. He was fantastic. I enjoyed him. More Barry. In the beginning, Desiree is the one who is itching to get out of Mallard. A-S-A-P. Whereas Stella acts as though she can be content there forever. Once it finally happens, though, Desiree is the one who returns and spends most of her adult life back in Mallard, but Stella only ever goes back once after she leaves. Did this surprise you? Not really, because it was pretty much the beginning of the book, and I was still trying to get a feel for what was going on. It was pretty early on. I 
I went into this book completely blind. I had. I didn't think it was early on. You didn't? I thought it was pretty early on. Hmm. And so I really didn't know a lot that was going on at that point. I went completely blind. You had no idea what it was about No idea. Yeah. I was still trying to get a feel for kind of what was going on in the book at first. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, that is crazy. And I just sat there for a second and pondered that. But why do you think nothing could have ever brought Stella back to that town that she was content and happy to stay in forever? Except to tell her sister, tell your daughter, stop talking to my daughter. She was frightened and stubborn. I mean, I think it would be really hard to show your face there after being gone for so long. Unless you had a good reason. Yeah. Like Desiree. Yeah. Yeah. Does it go back to then what we talked about of the times we've talked about... um, why you shouldn't tell people that they're making bad decisions. Because then part of the reason they might stick with the bad decision for so long is just to not have to have you say, I told you so. Yeah. Like, do you think that's part of that, like, human innate stubbornness? Like, oh, everyone thought we'd be back immediately and we couldn't hang. Like, I can't ever go back to there and prove them all right, basically. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that that could certainly be part of why she stayed away for so long but i truly think that there was a lot of fear too what was she scared of same thing that happened to her dad what's to stop that from happening again especially in the deep south where you're so far not so far but you're in such a small town that you're not even on the map you know racism roots were deep in the south and i'm sure that when she went back in the 80s to tell desiree to stop or to have jude stop i'm sure that racism was still a huge issue down there and why shouldn't she be fearful of that i mean even if racism wasn't the root cause of that if it was just he got killed but he got killed in front of his eight-year-old daughters. That's scarring for any child. And I think that that would mess them up for a long time to come. So do you think then watching that violence against someone else, even as your own father, that it was easier for Desiree to go back facing less fatal but just as violent experiences in her own life and marriage yeah because she was getting the shit kicked out of her by her husband and she had a duty to protect her daughter and where else is she gonna go with no money anywhere with no money she had her own job Mm. change your direct deposit stop putting it in that bank i don't know (laughs) I don't think they had direct deposit then. <laughs> so stop putting it in his bank account? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't... Things were a lot different then. I'm sure it would have... Like, everything that was saved was with him. Women, and so you would have had to stay in the vicinity to keep making the money. Women couldn't have credit cards until the late 70s. I'm sure my husband still wishes 
Well, then couldn't have credit cards. <laughs> Sucker. Sucker. Whose name is on here now? <laughs> what? <sighs> yeah, so I think it's also a sign of the times, too. You know, things change. It's. I don't want to use the word easier when you're leaving a, an abusive relationship because, of course... There's nothing easy about that decision. But I think in today's day and age, it's first of all, more acceptable for a woman to leave a man who's abusing her. I don't think it was always seen as acceptable to leave a man, even if he was abusing you or back in those times. And I think there's a lot more resources available as well for women who need to leave abusive partners. But I can also see it of like you have these two girls with these hugely different personalities for one. I think they reacted to that traumatic event so differently, even if it was never verbalized in that, you know, from the get go, Stella was like, I'm scared of this happening. So, you know, if we do keep our head low and behave how we're supposed to, we can try to avoid it. While Desiree was like, this is crap, you know. We can do all those, everything right, and we can look the right color, and still, that's not enough to save us. And so then they both, at the same time, exit into the world, and one of them, Stella, who had thought she never wanted to leave, and if she never made waves, she could stay safe forever, she discovered she could feel even safer acting a certain way, acting yeah. white, basically, and pretending yeah. to be white. And so she, that's where she found her safety net. Whereas Desiree, who had wanted to leave, she went out and found something much more dangerous constantly over and over again of an abusive relationship. And so I think maybe a part of her was like, wow, I felt like Mallard wasn't safe, but you know, that was one bad incident and a terrible few nights. Whereas when I left, it was my entire life. Every day I was in danger and in fear. Yeah. So I think it can just be that whole, like just everything of their personalities of how they react to the event and then how they react to the safety and then what continued to happen to them outside of it. So we didn't really meet them before the incident with their dad. We don't really know. They're super young. Yeah, they're babies at that point. And it's hard to say, and this is just merely speculation, but... Do you think that it's possible that they would have been a lot more similar and more twin-like, no. so to speak? I think twins are always pretty opposite from everything I've heard. Oh, I've always seen There's always like a loud and a quiet one. I don't know about that. Really? I've yeah. never heard of them like, oh, there's the two quiet twins. No, there's I... the two super loud twins. Like the twins I've known have been pretty similar. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's strange. I mean, not that I know a plethora of twins, but... um, So you don't think their personalities would have been... You think this would have always been... No, I think twins... You think this is how they were built? Yeah. That this is their destiny, so to speak, is to be polar opposites? Honestly, and and this goes back to what we talked about before, I think, like, had things been perfect and they had both been treated well and given every opportunity... I think Stella, based on her own innate personality that we saw, 
would have been like Desiree's daughter and gone to medical school or been smart or done something like that. Whereas Desiree with her dramatics, not that that's a bad thing. I'm very dramatic, would have wanted to do something like actressy or entertainment. That's a good point. Kind of feel. That is a, a good point. So, I don't know. And then, you know, if there was no drama involved, we wouldn't have this story. You know, you have to have drama to have a story. Because then it's just blah. So, Kimmy, I assume that this book would be up your alley with bits of historical fiction sprinkled about. Is this something that you would suggest to readers? What's that? <laughs> is this something that you would suggest to readers like yourself? I would. I enjoyed how it was mostly character driven. I also very much enjoyed one of my favorite things in books is that you're aching and pushing so hard for things to work out. And I get that it's satisfying when you get the after school special, everyone communicates properly and you get a great happy ending. But I also really understand that that is hardly ever the case in real life and so I really appreciate when books don't go that easy happy ending route and that it still kind of sucks but it's still kind of happy but you still kind of just do the best of what you have and you can't control everyone you can't make everyone communicate and it just felt like a real and painful but livable ending to me and I appreciate that so I'll I'll recommend it I think that authors who and books like that, I respect them a lot more. And I think they have balls for doing that. To me, I found this book to be captivating, but still on the slower pace side. I'd probably say this was a slow paced book, even though it kept me captivated. I'm also maybe realizing with this and other books I've read recently <laughs> that maybe my pace doesn't go with the rest of the world of what I think slow and fast and medium pace is. How, like, what pace did you think this was? Because you're looking at me funny. I felt this was very slow paced. What is a book that you think is fast paced? I found Addie LaRue to be fast paced. No, maybe not. That's similar pace to this, I feel. Really? Which is medium, I would say. Uh, let me think of a real, hold on. Let me me dig. Hold on. I don't know. I don't feel like I read a lot of fast-paced books. So. But, like, they have to have me on the edge of my seat, like, freaking out. Like, almost like Gone Girl was pretty fast-paced for me, but I haven't read that in, you know, seven years. I feel like there's different definitions of fast-paced. Oh. So. So, like, kind of fast and, like, sort of fast and, like, super fast? No, 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 no. What is that? Yes, you can be on the edge of your seat going for a ride, kind of fast-paced thrill ride. But the storyline can also move super fast where there's always constantly a new problem or a new story poking up. Does that make sense? For it to be considered fast-paced. Fast-paced? No. I would consider that maybe medium-paced. Fast to me is I'm on the edge of my seat. Medium is we're bumping along. There's news stories 
poking up, as you will. I think that that's... For lives to unravel like this is slow paced to me. It was the unraveling of lives. It was the lives of these two women and their daughters growing up with the lives of these two women. Slow. Because it was a life. We have to agree to disagree on a lot of things in life. It's loose. Okay. It is not. It is Luke. Episode three, Addie LaRue. Okay, so what do you nickname the ma- the character in Akatar? There was no nickname. His name was just Lucen. You never call him anything else in no, your brain? they didn't. They didn't, but you. No. I what would you call him, though? Luke. No, you fucking wouldn't, and you know it. <laughs> That's such <laughs> bullshit. I could tell by the lying smile on your face. How did you say their last name? Vignes? Okay. How did you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a nice accent you have there. I could not put the letters together to make a name. And so I was just going to ask you and just go with what you said. Okay. So you found this fast paced? I found it medium. Okay. Medium. Medium rare. I don't know what that means. Medium. (laughs) I'm just messing around now. Okay, I found this to be very slow-paced, but captivating. But I also can handle slow-paced books. But I cannot, and that's why I refuse to admit that it's slow-paced. Because I really want to gush over this book. Did this book do it for you? It did. Do you think like Do you think readers like you would like this? Yeah. I think that this book appeals to a lot of different readers. Because it is so character driven and the characters are so well developed and it is just a well-written book just all around. I think it can appeal to you who likes historical fiction and just pretty much all fiction except for horror and romance yeah. So, so yeah, I think this book was good. I told Katie earlier it felt to me the same pace and overall atmosphere. Yes, story, plot completely different. It felt to me like where the crawdads sing. Like always something missing, like a huge longing for what wasn't there. And it was missing family a lot in both of them. Completely handled in different ways the abuses from men came in completely different ways and you know for sure but i think the way i f- maybe not even the feeling of the book but the way i felt while reading them was very similar to me and i enjoyed them both they're extremely well written yeah i can see that um i didn't feel that but i can i could see that both very good books this one was excellent um i i, I can see why it won so many awards i can too um, I will probably be recommending this to a lot of people. Um, I love when people ask me for book recommendations cause it's like, all right, so what are you in the mood for flipping through my list of, of books that I have ready in this, this is going to be at the top of it. So definitely a contender for one of my favorite books of the year as well. Wow. I liked it that much. Wow. Yeah. Do you what was any- it because of all the feelings? I'm done. Can we end this episode now?
I don't want to talk about. What are you gonna ask me? Don't ask me. Do you have any contenders for book of the year? Yet? Yeah. What? For sure, Addie Larue. Okay. But then not this one. Probably, probably Addie Larue or Sunflower Sisters. But they're not comparable in my mind of just because they're such vastly different topics and important in different ways. I don't know. I like Sunflower Sisters more for than this book because of how much more painful it was. It ripped my heart out, but then it put it back together. Sunflower Sisters did? Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard for me to read, but it was so good. That was by the author of Lilac Girls, right? Yeah. It's the same series, even though they're all standalone books, but it's like a whole lineage of females that are some of the characters in the books, and that's why they're a quote-unquote series. So yeah, same author, same series. Cool. Flowers. Lilacs. Sunflowers. They have real genuine ties to the book. Oh, I figured in Lilac Sister or Lilac Girls. We read that. In Sunflower Sisters, it was someone. I don't know who. They would mysteriously appear. Sunflowers would. And that would kind of mark to slaves and the black people that it wasn't safe for them there and they should stay away. Interesting. Something so beautiful. Warning of danger. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well then, we hope that you enjoyed hearing our thoughts on The Vanishing Half and a few others. (laughs) (laughs) But mostly The Vanishing Half. We want to hear your thoughts too. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to, one, want to go on Instagram. And then you're going to follow at Kimmy's Lost Chill, at Katie's Lost Chill, and at The Lost Chill. And then... Every time we post, you're going to like it. You're going to save it. You're going to comment. And share. Share. Don't forget to share. Um, all of those things. Do it all. We're and sub- we'll share the love back. Genuinely, our favorite thing is the community on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So this whole week on our shared social media, The Lost Chill on Instagram, we're going to talk about this book. And we would love it if you would give your comments, if you've read it or not, answer our questions, just interact with us because that's, that's what makes it important to us. And we just love to get to know you better, get to know your thoughts. So meet us over there. Talk about this book. Say what you want to read, what you saw if you did read. Tell us everything. Let us know you. And I don't know if we've talked about it on the show yet, What's but that? every Friday... What is it? What happens on Friday? It is hashtag Floof Friday. Floof Friday? Yeah, where we showcase the finest floofs and their books, including our own. So come on over and check that out. We love to share uh, pictures on our stories on Instagram of all kinds of animals and books, our two favorite things. We 100% promise... In the next month, if you do it, when we get like really big in a year from now and we have millions, it might be harder for us to do. But we promise if in the next <laughs> month you on Flu Friday share your pups with the book we're reading or cats or iguanas or goldfish or whatever. It doesn't necessarily technically have to be floofy. It could be scaly or pokey. I would love to see a hedgehog. <gasps> oh. If you share an animal with the book we're reading and tag us, 
We will share that shit. Hell yeah. Probably for a long time, but like I said, next year when we're in the millions, it might get a little harder. And right now, we will probably fangirl that shit and talk about it all day. So probably you should do it. If you have a book we've read, tag an animal with it. On Share it on Friday. Tag us. Hashtag, hashtag flu, flu Friday. Oh, yeah, We didn't plan that. We didn't. <laughs> you can also... Now find out more about us and the show along with blog posts at thelostchill.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning. Do what you want in the morning. I want a mimosa. God, I want one. Can I have one of those when (sighs) this comes out? Yeah, me too. (laughs) I think I'm off next Tuesday, so let's do it. All right, sounds good to me. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about our May listeners pick. Bow, 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 bow. We're going to be going back to 1984, the early 1980s, but not dystopian. This book is going to be a trip. I think we'll have lots to talk about. We have a fun fact already to share with you about how this accidentally got in thrown in. <laughs> we're oh, silly. I don't know if it's fun or not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see at the end of the book. And then following that, we're actually going to be taking a break for a week. So, I know. What are we, fucking Kit Kat bars? Give me a break. Break me off a piece of the Lost Jill. (laughs) (laughs) We need to go home now. Oh, you're home. I need to go home. All right. right, But don't worry. We'll We'll be returning the following week with a new episode. Be sure to check out our Instagram and Facebook to know all of our upcoming books for June and to vote on June's listener's choice. Yes. And if you're enjoying The Lost Chill. And if you're not, give no. us a five-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, okay? It's it's common courtesy or something. <laughs> or something. Please leave us a review wherever you listen to us. We would be grateful if you did. We are so excited to hear your thoughts about this book. Like Kimmy said, please interact with us on Instagram. We really want to talk with you about this book. We are so thankful for everyone who's tuned into our show. Keeps coming back. See you next time. Bye.